Hey, welcome to the Restoration Podcast. This is Dan Sams. Today I'm with Yuri Amari and Calvin Dorsey. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of God and everything that's going on in the world. Let's get to it. So, um, hey, well, so welcome to the podcast, guys. I'm going to do this really laid back and, um, I'm not even picky on what we call this thing. I feel like you guys can have the audio if you want to put it on your websites too. I'll put it up on the restoration website. You can share it any way you want. Um, but my idea was that we would uh, we get together maybe once a week for a half hour, 40 minutes or so, and we talk about whatever current events are going on uh, from a kingdom perspective. Um, and so the idea is that we could kind of teach uh, what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, regardless of what circumstances are happening in the world. So, um, does that sound good? Yeah, let's give it a roll. Heck yeah, man. So, um, I pulled up the headlines for today. Um, big things that are going on is, uh, we've got, uh, SeaWorld is ending their killer whale, whale program, which is interesting. Uh, and it looks like, uh, Secretary Kerry is, uh, going to designate ISIS atrocities as genocide, which is a new thing. Uh, there's been this big fight over whether or not uh, what we were, what was, what Christians are experiencing is going to be considered ge- genocide, and it's interesting that it's going to be gonna be called that. And then we have issues with the Trump presidency, of course, um, and the whole world is freaking out if he becomes president. So um, I um, I thought I'd throw out, There's we got those things going on, and then um, we just have general election stuff happening, man. Well, not general election, but primary election. And uh, we are, I don't know about you guys and your church, but we are, uh, we're experiencing unity in spite of some of the, uh, the difficulty. But I would say that this whole thing is certainly creating some tension and ruffles. Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe the best thing to zero in on would be uh, presidential stuff because it's the, the hottest topic right now. So any thoughts on what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I I understand the fear, man. I'm feeling a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Yuri? Um are is is so you guys uh both being in Cleveland, I'm in a little bit more of a suburban environment. Um I'm I'm dealing with uh with a on one hand a group of people that are saying like this is scary, man. This guy is advocating for things that are very unchristian and dangerous for our country. Um, and then I'm I'm also getting a little bit of a view of um, I don't know the classic Trump supporter uh, that lives in my neighborhood, you know, and um, and why they're supporting him. And I know right now my big concern is not just about him, but about the the anger and bitterness that seems to be 
swelling up in our country that's allowing people to just throw power at him like crazy. Um, I see scary parallels in that. And uh, so I'm concerned both with him <laughs> and with his, uh, with his support base and the mentality that's coming with it. So I don't know, Yuri, you're over in Ohio City. Are you guys experiencing some of the same kind of things? Or are you guys mostly people, most of your people on the Trump, anti-Trump bandwagon? No, we're, our, our church family is all over the map, uh, politically. Um, theologically, my bent is the progression over the last four or five presidencies, uh, especially um, after September 11th, uh, 2001, uh, with the attack uh, through Al-Qaeda on our soil has resulted in an ever-increasing um, shift of the balance of power within the three branches of uh, national government, uh, mm-hmm. so that the executive branch increasingly has uh, been given more and more and more uh, authoritarian-type power, Yeah, um, which is consistent with uh, research by a, a British historian called Arnold Toynbee, and uh, I need to probably find that reference again that talks about the demise of the society and the demise of the society will always move toward uh, dictatorial, totalitarian power um, after moving uh, into a more true democracy and after true democracy uh, for the purpose of safety and security moving into um Again, a dictatorship. Yeah. So I think what we're seeing happen is people over the last couple of presidencies increasingly giving the executive branch, for different reasons, uh, more and more authority. It started with uh, George Bush, uh, mm-hmm. the younger, uh, receiving a lot of power uh, after Al-Qaeda's attack on the United States. And then uh, President Obama also mm-hmm. uh having uh, a nice situation uh, with the legislative branch for a season so that more power could be uh, moved into the executive branch. So I think what's happening is Arnold Toynbee's uh, historical analysis is becoming evident for the United States of America, uh, which is also consistent with the way the Lord handles uh, governments and countries in the Old Testament. And we see that uh, although the United States has been uh, indeed blessed by the Lord in many ways, we are not the promised land. We are not uh, a chosen land per se in the biblical Old Testament sense. Yeah. Um, and so we will be dealt with by the Lord, and he will give us over with all with all governments, with all of their idols, he will, will give us over to our idols and allow our idols uh, to be worshipped, and then uh, our idols to both destroy us and until that place of repentance when we destroy our idols. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's part of what's happening. I think it's also very much plays into uh, uh, an end times theological framework. Yeah. Um, which uh, Trump might be the Lord's person to be elected next, but not for any uh, church on earth as it is in heaven purpose right. other than to bring our nation to its knees 
under uh, under a dictator. Yeah. That we would give this dictator power, we would put the dictator in place, then uh, the dictator would lay in place. I think what may happen is that the president after Trump will be the one we really are going to be afraid of. Uh, I agree. I... And then... Okay. Yeah, and so once the president after Trump is in place, then the genocide of ISIS uh, against Christians, which really would not be a genocide because it, genocide is more connected to an ethnic group, yeah. and this is more connected to a religious group, um, then uh, we'll increasingly see it here. Uh, and what they would be calling genocide is you know, religious persecution, that religious persecution will be commonplace, and then we'll probably see the church thrive. Yeah, uh, I I agree. It's it's interesting. The um, there's a part of that that's both scary and exciting because we we see the way that God seems to grow His church in persecution, and so I certainly don't want it. Um, but it's it, I have hope in what He'll do in it. But uh, I I see that trend that you're that you're talking about of increased consolidation of power, and you mentioned you know for different reasons. You know you have conservatives that say, let's give more power to this leader so that we can have safety and so that we can have our moral agenda advanced. And then you have, from a more uh, liberal perspective, they say, let's give more power so that we can make sure that people's needs are met um, and for whatever other reason. And, And the result in both cases, we have this back and forth where the one common denominator is that more and more power is consolidated under the executive branch. Um, and it has paved a way for a guy like Trump. And uh, it's always interesting to me when I'm when I'm talking uh, politics with with believers and non-believers. Uh, I'm like, you know what? All of us did this. There is not uh, we, we can't point to one and say like, see, look, you're a guy. Um, we've everybody's at fault here. And um, it is a uh, yeah, it's a scary thing. So, uh, Calvin, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I was just gonna say. I think uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think um, just the struggle of um, I think a lot of people are um, in support of a lot of the things that has been happening because just this fear. Um, I think is an overwhelming uh, groundswell of just people um, having a fear of everything that's around, from the economy, from every different problem. So they think. They're pushing power toward one place because they believe that that power can ultimately fix it. Um, and there's, um, there's, I mean, it's happening, period. Whether Christian, non believer, or not, uh, doesn't matter. They're just having this overwhelming uh, amount of uh, fear that's causing them to make decisions to put more power mm-hmm. into another person's hands to fix their problems instead of putting trust in God. Um, to be the source for that, uh, the, the solution for the issues that we have. So it's, it's once again putting more and more uh, power to the hands of man. Yeah. So it's interesting that this, we just have, it is still, we're talking about a form of idolatry where, in so much as we think that there is hope in a political figure bringing about uh, wholeness, we're essentially saying, hey, uh, give us a king like other kingdoms. Let's 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 have control to bring about peace, rather than uh, putting us uh, in a position where we trust in Jesus as king to bring about His wholeness. Um, 
And what is, what is maybe particularly concerning to me is that we're seeing now a division in believers even that, um, uh, that see we have one whole group that's maybe aligning themselves, uh, especially in the millennials, aligning themselves with the Bernie Sanders saying like, don't we want to see um, people cared for? Don't we want these things? And I think uh, I'm, I'm seeing this some and even some of my people where the more that God has something going on in their heart, the more they have a heart for compassion and they might not think one way or the other politically. They're just like, well, this guy wants to take care of people. Isn't that good? And we have another group of people that say, well, you know, Christians have been historically conservative, and so we got to go with the Republican Party, and here's this guy over here. And so they've almost kind of doubled down on Trump. Uh, and, and I'm like, guys, um, we're missing something here related to, to God's role in this, and we're putting hope in a human. And um, I think that's maybe maybe the heart of what I was hoping we could talk about is how do we uh, as pastors, as ministers, uh, communicate to people what it means to hope in God's kingdom and to bring about uh, his kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven uh, in light of all this. When we, we still have a responsibility to vote, we can't just go and start a new country, although I joke about that every now and then. Um, what do you guys perceive as something that we can do to, uh, to teach kingdom and communicate um, how we should live as citizens of God's kingdom while also being citizens of the United States? Yeah, I think, um, I think as much as it does create, uh, I think the election creates controversy and bad. So I also think it's always, a lot of situations, open up opportunities to become a very teachable moment because we're able, I'm able to tell, um, people in the church, I'm able to tell people in the streets that they have they don't have to put their hope into a person to change the situation or um uh, uh believe because the ultimate the ultimate thought process is that oh if if we if we follow this one person that he's gonna to fix all our issues and it's like it just doesn't it doesn't work like that. And I think mm-hmm. it gives us a better um, funding to be able to tell people to put their hope in Jesus and to put their um, faith um, in, in the one true God who can handle these situations and trust Him through the midst of it because um, no matter who we elect or every single time we they, they, they think they're electing uh, a would-be Savior, they're actually just electing someone that's going to continue to push the agendas of America into a, a, a more um, detestable state where it's basically just had a period. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, give me your thoughts, because uh, uh, I'll, I'll confess where I have a tendency. Um, I I lean a little bit libertarian in my um, in my political views, which essentially means let's just have let's just legalize everything, right? Um, and I'll find myself often saying like, "Well, everybody is trying to take my freedom," and so I find myself getting almost this chip on my shoulder where I'm arguing for my rights. And I'm like, well, man, this this is not this is not good. Um, and so I'm finding myself in this position where I'm like, I need to teach on what it means to trust in Jesus rather than men, while at the same time trying to be respectful of leaders. And uh, I think that is a uh, uh, I'm I don't even want to say attention, but I think I make it attention at times that uh, I will find myself wanting to advocate for my rights 
And when what I think I need to be doing is saying, well, I don't really have any rights, but I sure want Jesus to be king. And I want him to bring the wholeness and restoration and freedom that, that, that comes with that. Um, but I'm, I think I'm having a difficult time communicating that in, in light of political seasons. Um, because ultimately I just don't put hope in the political process, but I think that there is something important we're supposed to be engaging in here. And I am having to completely reevaluate how I go about that as a believer. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let me, uh, maybe jump into this a little bit more. Um, as we're thinking about, uh, I'm I'm drawing these parallels uh, with uh, with guys like John the Baptist and Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and uh, I think we have a couple of scenarios there where we had men of God who spoke out pretty boldly uh, against behaviors of leaders, and so I'd like to get your all's thoughts. Where uh, where do we have a role in the Romans 13 obedience to leadership? And where do we also have a role in as a prophetic voice to speak, uh, well, to speak prophetic words to to and about leaders to call out what is wrong? Um, is there a way to do that both respectfully but firmly? Um, any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, first of all, I think I think I think our, our call is to, uh, to obedience. Um, to our governmental leaders and things of that sort, but until until that governmental leader is doing blatantly doing something that's against um, the kingdom of God, and I think I often have issues that I believe like the church nowadays is kind of too politically correct, where we don't address a lot of things and we try to steer away from, um, and it's more so not even sometimes I'm not sure if it's based on fear or is it based on uh, uh, wanting to be liked by the masses, but there, it, it was saying that if you wind the clocks even um, 20 or 30 years ago, um, certain leaders and church leaders did have more of a voice on particular issues, but now even um, mainstream and more popular um, evangelical stances, a lot of times when people are just dead silent on a lot of issues, whether it be Black Lives Matter, whether it be um, the political election, and we even, it's just, I don't know, seeing people, and then you're seeing people align themselves with other uh, individuals for political power and things of that sort, and it's a scary thought because a lot of just mainstream Christianity is more concerned um, with being uh, PC instead of standing on God's word, and that's yeah. just, it's really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. We're we're afraid of upsetting the boat, um, and then we have a whole group of people that think that you shouldn't say anything at all, um, and uh, yeah. and it, it's it's tricky. Yuri, did you have a, a comment? Yeah. Um, oh, I got many. Yeah, bring it on, brother. <laughs> it's, it's the nature of being a preacher, right? <laughs> right. We always got something to say. Uh, the uh, going back to a couple of things. Uh, a little bit ago, I think the response of believers uh, is need. We, we need to not pick and choose God's word apart.
heart, the parts that we want to obey, and um, the parts that are abundantly clear are so clear. I think it was Mark Twain that said, uh, my problem with the, with the Bible isn't the parts I don't understand, it's the parts I do understand. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, for example, First Timothy chapter 2 is really clear. Hmm. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Yeah. Um, I think we take that verse and we'll uh, have all kinds of requests and prayers and intercession for kings and all those in authority, but we won't have any thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, especially if we don't like uh, we don't like Obamacare, so we'll we'll you know we'll, we'll blast we'll ask Jesus to change this, that, or the other. We don't like uh, 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 I don't know. Um, the way that we ramp up the military, uh, we'll be at, we won't be thanking God uh, for Obamacare. I think there's a proverb. I can't find it right now. Uh, I don't have the chapter and verse memorized, but the essence of it is: um, uh, the heart of the king is in the, is in the hand of the Lord. Yeah, um, is the essence of it. And I think we forget that when when policy goes where we don't want it to go. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we blast whatever president or legislator or whoever, not recognizing that, no, no, even this, even this is from the Lord. Yeah. Um, we forget that, you know, Pontius Pilate was in that place of authority to authorize the crucifixion of Christ. Yeah. Uh, he was there on purpose. Isaiah chapter 52 and 53 is clear. It was the Lord's will. It was yeah. it was the Father's will to crush the Son, yeah. um, uh, and so I think that what what we get away from in the church is, and this goes back to our rights, um, is we think that uh, you know Jesus suffered uh, for our sin, uh, so we don't have to suffer. Well, mm-hmm. I think if the head's going to suffer, I think the body's going to be part of the head. We should not only feel the suffering of the head of the church. But I think there's an aspect that we ourselves are also going to suffer, not yeah. for our own sin, but for the sin of others. Yeah. And isn't that what forgiveness is all about? When we forgive someone, we're, we're actually willing to live with the consequences of what someone else has done against us. Yeah. And the idea of forgiveness is rooted in the idea of giving. It's right there in the middle of the word. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, we're giving away our rights. We're giving away our comfort uh, by the nature of being believers. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people that are getting behind Trump are actually not getting behind Trump for any spiritual reason, but they're getting behind Trump, uh, in this case, uh, for a, a, a practical dollar reason. Yeah. Um, he does have a lot of business success uh, and con- and with debt the way it is, our national debt, there's a whole lot of people that are, you know, they don't want to lose their standard of living who are believers. And so they're not uh, thinking of it from any perspective other than uh, economically. And they're going, yeah, we need a businessman to fix this business mess. We don't need a, a government man. It's a government man that got us in this mess. Uh, yeah. Many government men. We need a good old-fashioned capitalist that's going to get us out of this mess. Yeah. Um, and, and that might be what's driving their train, uh, or maybe they're not even thinking it through. They are wrapped up in a thinly veiled prosperity theology that 
uh, well, clearly God has blessed this man, and so financially, so God's blessing is on him. I don't buy this thinking, but some I think are there, yeah. and uh, that blessing of God uh, for him to be able to make money uh, is what our country needs, so that I can continue to have my standard of living where it is. Hmm. Uh, and so, rather than me give up my cufflinks, uh, I'm gonna get behind someone that will uh, make sure I can get a new pair of cufflinks. Yeah. Um, so that, that may be going uh, driving the train. Regardless, I think we uh, in the church are not typically uh, do the opposite of what Psalm 146 says. Uh, do not put your trust in princes and mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Yeah. And I think uh, the balance of the, the, of the psalm is, of course, all about the Lord. Uh, and I, we just need to continue to trust in him and thank him. We need to thank God for President Obama. And yeah. if Trump becomes president, we need to thank God for Trump. Yeah. Uh, and we need to... Uh, we need to press hard into the things of the kingdom that has to do with uh, what makes us one uh, in Christ within the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, me as a uh, Lithuanian Arab American, um, Calvin is an African American. Uh, Dan, what are you? I'm a really boring white guy. All right. <laughs> we, take, we take the reality of this diversity, and uh, you know, at, at the foot of the cross, we're all we're all red. We're all covered with blood. The blood of our Savior, yeah, and we're seen as one in Christ, as far as God's concerned, and that, uh, in spite of where the three of us may end up uh, politically, uh, you, you Dan, you confess to be leaning libertarian. I confess to being uh, my political party party would be chameleon. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in the city, I lean Democrat, and the suburbs I lean Republican and on the interstate I'm, I'm a hardcore independent so uh, and that's just a joke of course because there's aspects to different parts of each of the platforms that I wholeheartedly embrace um, so there are certain aspects to uh, the Democratic platform the Republican platform that I just kind of go this part's right this part's right yeah. boy the rest of the stuff is just Junk. Yeah, but man, uh, I can I can affirm the things that reflect uh, God's economy. But we never should expect that God's economy be reflected in a yeah in a non theocratic government. Exactly right, uh, man. I'm with you. Go ahead. I completely agree. I was going to say, what do you guys? What are your thoughts on? Because there's things that what I don't like and what tends to happen is. Um, which I'm kind of, I feel myself more leaning on that side of, there's always this, you know, that you have Christian publication, you got um, universities and Christian, you know, places always endorsing as what would be the God vote. Yeah. Um, and basically, it's, 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 if, you, if, you, if you basically, um, which none of these politicians actually care about any of this stuff half the time, um, but... Yeah. It's like if, if that person just, you know, says that they're not okay with gay marriage and, and they say they're not down for abortion, then it seems like that is a big ticket for the God vote. And yeah. my and my stance, I, I look over at it, is that none of them are really the ticket for the God vote. 
So sometimes I'm kind of like, well, whoever seems like they're less sinister Palpatine, then I'll be more so leaning toward that. Versus them just knocking off the, the two big powers uh, uh, of what a mainstream Christianity still is important. Yeah. And I think people, I think I think the church kind of almost looks at you crazy if you don't quote unquote vote for what they consider the God ticket, like whoever's yeah. on that God ticket, which I don't think any of them are. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you, and I think the other thing that's that's to play, I think this is something that uh, kind of came up during the moral majority movement. Um, there was this idea that w- if we could create laws that align with our morality, then we'll make the culture more moral. Um, but it, we ran, what we essentially did is we, we, we started creating a country rod legalism. Um, because one thing that I think we understand is very clear that without the Holy Spirit, a person can't not sin. Um, and I think when we make laws that are, uh, that are particularly detailed and aligned with, uh, with what we would consider to be Christian values, we can frustrate a person who does not have the Holy Spirit in them because they they don't have it in them not to sin. And that's one of the things that I've, I've kind of been trying to, to communicate to brothers and sisters every now and then that like say, hey, you know, we are a part of this kingdom and we know that because God is in us that there are things that I'm supposed to do. And some of those are 1 Corinthians 6 type things where I'm not supposed to commit certain types of sins. And certain things are, um, are Matthew 5 through 7 type things where I'm supposed to forgive my enemies and give to people who have need and I'm supposed to, or Matthew 25, 31 principles where I'm supposed to visit the imprisoned and clothe the homeless. And my argument that ends up kind of uh, causing a problem for for both sides of the political spectrum is um, I can't force my, uh, or I shouldn't say can't, it is an unwise thing for me to expect someone who doesn't have the Holy Spirit to bear fruit as if they do. And uh, I'm I'm finding myself in these conversations where people bring up you know, the 1990s, 1980s uh, moral majority movement, and they say, "What the heck were you guys doing?" I, and and I'm I'm having to use it as a way to come back and say, "Well, here's what 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 can happen when the Holy Spirit is in people." And I I'm so sorry that we tried to get you to act as if you did when you didn't have him, <laughs> but. Um, let me just tell you how great it is when the Holy Spirit is at work in you and, and you are bearing fruit that is in keeping with the kingdom of God. Um, and I think people, when we communicate what the kingdom of God really is, we draw a clear line. We say, hey, in the kingdom of God, uh, if you have an extra coat, you give it to someone who doesn't have it. In the kingdom of God, you forgive your enemies. In the kingdom of God, uh, you know, we, we, all these things that we can pull from you know, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and other, other kingdom teachings. And when we start talking about those things, I think you have a whole group of people that say, man, I, would, I want that. Um, and you have a whole other group of people that are like not willing to give up what I have. And, um, and I think that cuts across lines on both sides of the spectrum. And it just makes for a very interesting, interesting thing. I want to, yeah. uh, Dan, I want to throw a wrench into kingdom. Go ahead, man. Throw it in. Um, my understanding of Matthew five, six and seven in the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. uh, taking it as a single sermon. Yeah. Uh, 
I think the main idea, any good teacher has one main idea and then supporting points, and I think we learn that from Jesus himself. Yeah. Uh, and with the Gospel of Matthew being written to a predominantly Jewish Christian audience, uh, early believers, mm-hmm. um, I think the main idea of the whole sermon is uh, verse 48. It would be right at the center, and I suspect there's a chiasm somehow involved. Yeah. Uh, and that would be, be perfect, therefore, as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Mm. Uh, and if that's the main idea written to Jews, and then, then the contrast throughout the rest of the book where anyone that is of a Jewish background, including the disciples, are always painted in a very negative light throughout the whole book. Yeah. And it's the non-Jews the Syrophoenician woman, the faith of the centurion, these non-Jews are always painted in a good light of having faith. And I think the point of the Sermon on the Mount is that it's unattainable. Yeah. The point is uh, that the, the the attitudes are not the values of the kingdom, they're the values of God himself, which are unattainable. Uh, and the only way for them to be attainable would be to have received the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. So the imputation of, uh, but I think what a lot of people do with values of the kingdom language is they insist that we have to be a certain way when we need to surrender to our failure and depend on his Holy Spirit to change us. So I think there's an insistence on a degree of maturity that just doesn't really exist for most people. So, brother, I think you, you brought a good clarification there that um, ultimately this isn't something that we can do. And and while we hopefully are bearing fruit related to it because of his work in us, we're, we are not going to attain that kingdom mindset. It's it's a it, we have to return to this. I just need Jesus. Um, so I'm, I'm with you, brother. Um, you're right on. So I, I do think that, that if there was a a uh, theocratic solution, I think our platform for our political party would be Matthew's chapter 5 through 7. Hmm. And that Sermon on the Mount then summarizes the ideal uh, reality that we would like to strive toward. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Yeah, so- I think that's, I think that's the, um, I think that it was censored all off of the part just what he said blessed are the poor spirit um i think that shows the posture of the heart of where we should be um, to acknowledge that we are spirit at that point we are spiritually but we have nothing to offer and the only way we can achieve these things is through um god um uh, working it through us and that we have nothing to bring to the table yeah that's right brother so um uh, we're, we're coming out of time here so as we wrap up uh, anything particular that, uh, as you guys as pastors would say, hey, here's something that we should keep in mind um, in the coming months as we're uh, as we're as we're ministering, as we're uh, walking in obedience to Jesus uh, over the next few months. Any uh, any principles related to what we've been talking about that come to mind? For me, uh, that regardless of a Democrat or Republican or Libertarian, um, if someone, I know someone to be a believer, uh, they have confessed the Lord, they are turning from sin, they're 
uh, living the law of love, loving God by loving the people he puts in their lives, that uh, this person is my brother, is my sister, mm-hmm. and that uh, we need to make every effort within the body of Christ to keep this uh, unity of the spirit through the bond of peace, that there is only one body, one spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one hope, and our hope is not in a political platform, uh, an earthly political platform. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and he says that he lives in uh, you, and he says he lives in me, and that this is our priority. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need to both choose to put uh, whichever political party or political candidate we may get behind. Uh, that person, we need, to, we need to put that in subjection uh, to the law of love uh, for our brother and our sister in Christ, uh, first and foremost. Amen. It's good. Amen. I, I personally think, um, uh, overall, man, I, I think there has to be uh, a pushing for continually to put God back on the throne, um, and Him not as not as if He's ever left, but it seems to be this constant thought process that God is not sovereign, that he's not holy, that he's not in control. Um, and I think we need to start trusting that. I think we make a lot of decisions, um, and people make decisions based off fear. And I think the if you read, if you understand Romans, I think Paul laid it out clearly in the beginning, and he just let you know, like, um, there is, he actually, I think he even actually says that there is no governmental authority at all. It's almost the same language that you when Paul talks about there is, there is no such thing as an idol. We put, we give power to those very things um, when God is in control of it, period. And I think people, um, we as believers, um, we as leaders, we as uh, whoever you are, um, if, if we want to be in alignment, we have to start allowing God to be God and trusting him only on the throne and stop making decisions based on the fact that somehow God can be trumped. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, I think uh, I would I push for to tell people to trust and put more trust in that God is in control and that he's not just uh, some pawn in the midst of the scheme of things. I mean, I think that will have us all for a greater sense of uh, um, unity in the body of Christ um, and stop trying to push the agenda of whoever because it doesn't matter as long as we continue to stay on the side of God. Amen. It's good stuff, man. Well, hey, thank you guys for being on the podcast today. We'll, uh, we'll touch base next week. Looking forward to talking again. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening.